You're listening to a podcast of the Sunday morning message from Grace Christian Church in the city of Cork on the beautiful south coast of Ireland. We hope and pray that it will be a blessing to you. Good morning again, brothers and sisters. May God bless us as we continue to meet in his name today. We're going to dive in. We're going to have a look at God's word. I want to look at something that I really feel God spoke to me about just a couple of weeks ago. Um, it's one of those kind of strange ones where you wake up first thing in the morning or quarter past five in the morning in this particular case and immediately God just spoke to me about this particular passage of scripture and about the reality of this particular passage of scripture that we're going to look at. But let me put in a couple of caveats first. Life can be very demanding. The demands that are often on all of our lives can quite often feel like they exceed our capacity to meet them. We all face demands if we're living, breathing human beings. We all have demands in our lives. Our, our, our demands can be physical, they can be emotional, they can be mental demands, they can be even spiritual demands. They can be demands in all sorts and all areas of our lives. And most of the demands that we face are legitimate demands. It's sometimes there are illegitimate demands made upon us, but most of the demands that our lives are made up of are quite legitimate demands. They're the demands that are on a parent, or the demands that are on a child, the demands that are on husbands and wives, and the demands of employees, the, the demands that are upon a tenant in a house, the demand on a mortgage pair, the demand on an employer who's trying to hire people. They can be the demands that come upon us from a brother, from a sister. They can be the demands that are on you as a husband or as a wife, uh, upon, that is upon you as a result of your children or, or things like that going on in your lives. We all face demands. We all face situations and most of those demands are legitimate and most of the demands we put ourselves under are voluntary. Now, there are plenty of times in life when we hit Ill, involuntary demands, and we look at that maybe even next week. We look at a different kind of a demand, a different, more illegitimate demand, perhaps next week. But I want to look at them as legitimate demands that are on our lives. I was looking recently at photographs of home of my kids when they were very small, and I had said to Tom that, you know, I was looking at these photographs when hat was stirred, I was looking at photographs of my kids when they were three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, that kind of way. And I, I said, you know, it was the time in my life when I was most under pressure, most under demand. The church was in a certain phase. My family life was in a certain phase. My kids were in a certain phase. The whole thing was in a certain phase. And it was the most demanding time. And yet I have to say, probably one of the happiest times in my life, even though all of those demands were upon me, because it was a meaningful time of my life. It was something meaningful. There was a response. There was meaningfulness in those demands. Jesus came and walked among us and he was no different. He faced demands just like you face demands. He faced much greater demands than you have ever faced, that's for sure. But he was all and completely human. And he faced demands that were legitimate. He faced financial, believe it or not, spiritual demands, emotional demands, physical demands. Just like you faced them. He faced everything. Now today's story is effectively a kind of a tale of taxes. I want to look at this passage of scripture. We're going to be looking today in Matthew chapter 17, verses 24 to 27. I'm going to be reading it from the New Living Translation. That's the central text today. It's kind of a tale of taxes. But now when I talk about tax, we often think about things like the tax 
burden. You know, the amount of tax that we pay, whether it's VAT or income tax or vehicle registration tax or I don't even know a stamp duty thing anymore. All those taxes that we have to pay in life. But I want to look at tax in this kind of broader sense because I think that this story we're looking at today, even though it's a story essentially about tax, is actually about the other things that go on in our lives. So I want to look at a simple definition of taxes. Taxes as a noun are a strain or heavy demand upon our lives. Do you face a strain or a heavy demand in your life at the moment? Are you going through a period of time when there's a big demand on your energies? Is there a big demand on your, on your powers or your resources? There it is as a verb, it's to make a demand of something. We talk about people's mental energy being taxed as a result of having to concentrate, their physical energy being taxed as a result of having to go so hard or work very, very long hours or some such thing. I want to look at that sense of being taxed, to have that much bigger, that much bigger sense of being taxed, of our lives being under demand. I think the recent lockdowns, thank you Lord, they're coming to an end completely soon. But you know, those have put an enormous demand on the resources, mental, spiritual, financial, physical of so many people that sometimes we can feel stretched beyond our abilities. Jesus faced them. I want to look at this story we're going to be looking at in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 17, and it's all about Jesus' identity. Matthew 17 is all about Jesus' identity. It starts with the transfiguration, where Jesus' divine nature is revealed upon the mountain. It then is followed by Jesus' authority, where he comes down the mountain, he delivers a demon-possessed boy and says, you have to have the authority to do this. And thirdly, it's about Jesus' power and Jesus' very identity itself, not his divine nature, but his identity as a person, but also his power. That's the third thing that comes out. And this story is unique to the Gospel of Matthew. It's a story that involves tax, and unsurprisingly, it's a story that appears in the Gospel written by, guess what? A tax collector. So he's somebody who pays attention to these little factors. May God bless us as we read his word. May we May we experience the life and the breath of the Holy Spirit on our hearts and on our souls and on our minds as we look at it. In Jesus' mighty name. Amen. Hallelujah. Let's look at this. On their arrival in the town of Capernaum, the collectors of the temple tax came to Peter and asked him, Doesn't your teacher pay the temple tax? It was a very important question. It was a very important question. It was a question about his identity. Is your teacher... A true Jew. The temple tax was paid by every male Jew living in Israel at the time. It was a half shekel tax that had to be paid. And every male had to pay it every year for the upkeep of the temple. A committed Jew would always make sure it was paid. And based on the things that Jesus was saying about himself and even saying about the temple, I think it was a reasonable question to say, is he going to pay like the tax? for the temple, and here is the only time that we see a financial demand being put upon Jesus. Peter answered, yes he does, he replied, and then he went into the house. It was a question about identity. Is your teacher a true Jew? Is he truly a supporter of the temple? Is he truly an Israelite? And then it comes up and says, but before he had a chance to speak, Jesus asked him, what do you think, Peter? Do kings tax their own people or the people they have conquered? They tax the people they have conquered, Peter replied. So Jesus begins to ask him this cryptic question. Who really should pay 
the tax zone. You can't, you can't think like a modern-day Western democracy. You've got to think like an, an, an ancient empire ruled by a king. You're not thinking about like a modern-day, I vote you at the next election. There was no voting or any next election. This was how kings ruled. They conquered the land and they taxed the people. And so Jesus said, what do you think? And then he goes on to say this. Well then, Jesus said, the citizens are free. However, we don't want to offend them, so go down to the lake and throw in a line. This starts a strange and kind of crazy conversation with Peter. Because the question of identity was being risen. Who is Jesus really? Who does he recognize himself as? And who do others recognize him as? Do they recognize him as just an Israelite? Or is there something else going on? Jesus wants to demonstrate that he's not only a true Israelite, but he is the true son of of God. And so begins this strange command and this strange instruction to Peter. And I like when Jesus said, we don't want to offend them. Jesus probably wasn't under any real obligation to do this. It was a voluntary decision made by a Jewish male who was of age to pay this tax. And so he says to Peter, and I love this story, I've spoken about it once before. He says, go down to the lake and throw in a line. Open the mouth of the first fish you catch, and you will find a large silver coin. Take it and pay the tax for both of us. Pay both of our taxes, Peter, while you're at it. What a strange, what a weird command to give, for Jesus to give. He says, go down to the lake and, and, and throw in a line and catch a fish and take out a coin. It all sounds a bit like a fable. It just sounds bizarre. It sounds ridiculous. What's the big deal about Why didn't Jesus give him all the powers? Yes, kind of reach behind Peter's ear and pull the coin. Aha, there's a coin. Why didn't he make money? Why didn't he ask the guy who was keeping the bag, the, the, the treasurer, maybe even Judas Iscariot, to, to give him a coin so that they could pay the temple tax? No. Instead, he does a simple demonstration. And he says to Peter, go down to the lake and throw the line. Now Peter had previously listed Peter was a fisherman. So he knew all about fish, and he knew what fish were like. And he knew that fish, normally when they're feeding, don't eat coins. They kind of tend to spit them up, so they don't tend to, tend to swallow them. And so he sends Peter down to the lake. Now, the interesting thing about this is the, the results of this are so obvious that the end of this miracle is not even recorded. So we have Peter walking down to the lake. Can you imagine what, like, what Peter's walking down to the lake of Galilee? And he's beginning to wonder to himself, like, what are the chances that I'm actually going to find just a coin in a fish's mouth? He knew fish, he knew the lake, he knew the gate, he knew that this was seriously unlikely. And that's the big elaborate story about anyway. But Peter judiciously and, and intuitively goes down and he follows Jesus' instruction. He heads down to the lake. No, just for what it's worth. Just so that we can get a sense of what the chances were like. Here is a map of Galilee, Lake of Galilee. There it is, there it is. Um, then known as Lake Tiberius because it was named after the Roman Empire Tiberius. Anyway, here is actually in its north-south face, but I had to turn it sideways to make it fit into this, to make it fit into this side. So here is the lake, right? So what are the chances of finding a coin in a fish's mouth in the Sea of Galilee? So this is Jesus' instruction. What are the chances? So let's look at some of the facts. First of all, the lake is 21 kilometers long. It's 13 kilometers wide, comprising a total of 166 square kilometers. It is a 53 kilometer circumference. It is an average depth 
of 26 meters and a maximum depth of 43. And there's 19 different species of fish, which at the time were thriving. There's more there now because more have been introduced subsequently. So here is this effectively vast lake covering 166 kilometers, filled with tons, millions and millions of fish, what billions potentially, what was the chances that Peter would throw in a line and the fish that he would pull out would have a coin in its mouth? What was the chance that he would pull out any fish with a line? And it wasn't any fish, it was the first fish that he'd pull out. I mean, Peter couldn't go down and go fishing for the day and kind of go, well, I'm, I'm fish number 23, I found half a coin, and I'm fish 20, 32, I found another half a coin, so that was the whole thing, in the way that we might possibly look at it, but it was a very, very specific command that he is given. So Peter goes down, and he casts in his line. And then imagine, if I was Peter, he is doing this as an act of faith. He's following the instructions of his master. You know, sometimes God tells us to do things and we don't understand why we're doing them at the time. History is full of things that people were commanded by God, even like washing hands. Tom has used the illustration so many times. Washing hands. For years, for centuries, for thousands of years, people were washing their hands. They didn't know why. It's only now they understand why they were washing their hands. It's only the discovery of germs that people discovered why they were washing their hands. They had no idea. They were just obeying the command. But that was an unusual command compared to this. This is just like, out there. So Peter casts out his line, and he waits. And he has the line in his hand. He's got the hook, he's got the bait, and he waits. And then, after a while, we don't know how long, there's a tug. There's a tug on the line. And the moment of truth has arrived, as Peter begins to pull in the line, and on the other end, you can feel the struggle. Anybody who's ever caught a fish knows that they struggle and they're pulling on the line and they're resisting. You can feel their struggle and the resistance. The fish is pulling, he's pulling back. And he picks up the fish. And he pulls up the fish and the fish is dangling in midair. And here he's got the fish, probably a talapia, which was the kind of fish that was most common there. And it subsequently got the nickname of St. Peter's fish. So he's got this fish dangling on the line. And he grabs the fish and he opens his mouth and he looks in. And he takes out a coin. And the fish is still in his hand, going, Can you let me go now? And he has the fish still in his hand, and he has the coin. And in that moment, as Peter holds that coin, he said, We got a coin, we got a coin, we got a coin. As he holds the coin in his hand, everything that Jesus said about the detail of our lives suddenly makes sense. Everything Jesus said about the sparrows and the birds of the air and the lilies of the field and the numbers of hairs on our head being numbered made sense. The intimate, incredible, insightful, powerful detail was fulfilled as he held the coin in his hand. I like what Thomas Aquinas said in relation to this and other miracles in the scriptures, he said, to the one who has faith, no explanation is necessary. To the one without faith, no explanation is possible. No explanation is possible. It was just a miracle. It was a miracle. A miracle of such incredible and intimate detail. And a story that is so unique within the scriptures. It was a unique fish caught in a unique place, in a unique story told amongst the four Gospels. Not only that, 
which was also a unique miracle, the only miracle that Jesus performed to meet his own needs and the only miracle that we're told that involves money. And it was a specific money. It wasn't any old money. It was a specific coin that Peter would have taken from the boat. In actual fact, about this size, maybe slightly smaller than this two-euro coin I've got in my hand. This was the one that was called a Tyrian shekel. It was the full shekel. It was a silver shekel, a silver coin about this size. And it was the only coin that was acceptable for the payment of the temple tax. So if Peter had found a, a denarius, or if he had found a half shekel, or if he had found um, a, a drachm, or a half drachm, it wouldn't have done. It would have to be this specific coin, because this was the only coin that was accepted for the payment of the temple tax. And the curious thing about it was, it was the temple tax, and yet here on the front of the coin is Heracles, the Greek god Heracles, and on, on the back of the coin, here is the the Roman a symbol of the eagle, and here's uh, where is it there? Over here it says the power of Rome, Kratos Romanum. It's all there on this coin. This is the only coin that was used in the temple, and almost certainly the same coin of the Turkey coins that Judas was given for betraying Jesus Christ. When he took that coin in his hand, everything made sense. Everything, all of the details of his life, of your life my life makes sense. And the fulfillment of Psalm 8 comes to mind, where it says, what is man that you are mindful of him, or the son of man that you care for him? You have made him a little lord in the angels, and you put him in command over the fish of the sea, is what that Psalm said. He put him over the fish of the sea. Peter, with the coin in his hand, could well have said, what manner of man is this? Even the fish in the sea Obey his commands. And brothers and sisters, it is no different for us today. As Jesus was faced with a legitimate demand, as Peter was faced with a legitimate demand, Jesus was able to meet that need, was able to meet that need regardless of what that need was. He was able to meet it in the most miraculous, intimate, powerful of ways. And it makes sense then when you look back upon the words of Jesus. When we, we look back in the words of Jesus, when we read them in Matthew's Gospel, when he talks about the birds of the air, look at the birds. They don't plant or harvest or store food in barns, for your heavenly Father feeds them. And aren't you far more valuable than they are? Like, I love looking at the birds at home. We sparrows food to our feeders at home. I just love it, no. Rory, my youngest, says that we've become such bores. We're like old people. The most exciting thing we do is fill our bird feeders. But I love seeing the boards. And I was pointing to the kids. And I said, that's... I was pointing to my little sons. I said, look, see, the boards of the air, they don't sow, sow or reap or sow into bands. And yet your heavenly father feeds them. To which one of them, of course, said, no, the heavenly father doesn't feed them. You feed them. I said, yes, but I am the hand by which the heavenly father feeds them. There will be hands in your life, even today, that will help to feed you spiritually, emotionally, physically, financially even. I know that this is my story. Time after time, I have known the blessing, the incredible timing of God at work in my life, just 
at the point of my need. And I would say there are plenty of people who will say amen from their experience. If you have experienced the provision of God in just the nick of time, give us an amen in the comment line. Testify and own it. But here he says it, and it just makes perfect sense. If he can bring a fish out of the sea, and he's looking after the birds of the air, and he's counting the hairs on your head, and he's regarding the lilies of the field. He goes on to say this, however, really important. Can all your worries add a single moment to your life. Does it help when we worry about these things? Or would we be wiser to take them to the Lord? Taking our concerns to Him rather than just worrying about them, just like Paul says, don't worry about anything but turn your worries into prayers. Don't worry about anything but pray about everything. Have you got the faith to say, you know what? I'm going to lay that situation down and I'm not going to worry about it. Have you got the faith to say, the Lord has this. The one who has the birds of the air, the hairs on the head, the lilies of the field, the sparrows that fall counted has my situation. It's been my experience. I had a situation a couple of years ago where... Um, Somebody belonged to me had a, a minor car accident and it happened at a really bad time for us, just the time when we were under pressure. And uh, we had a car accident and as a result, there was a big bill to be paid for the repair of this car. And I got a phone call from someone, somebody rang me. Um, you, you might be tuned in here later on, you might be listening on podcast, you know who you are. Um, I had a phone call from somebody who said, they felt the Lord spoken to them and said that I had suddenly got a need and that they wanted to meet and help meet that need. Well, guys, I nearly fell off. I nearly dropped the phone. This was an immediate demand that had to be met. It was an expensive situation. And the person rang me and said, God told me to send you something. I really want to do something for you in this situation. Tell me what you need. I nearly fell off the chair. That happens in the lives of Christians. It happens to believers like you and me. Incredible doors of provision, incredible doors of blessing, incredible doors of opportunity open to us by the hand of God. And always in the context, you, Jesus is looking at us and knows the burdens that we face. He knows the burdens that we are under. He knows the burdens that we face and he makes provision. I love what F.B. Meyer said. He said, make Christ's interests your aim, and he will make your taxes his care. He will make your taxes his care. And I want to say to you, don't be afraid of a tax bill. How's about believing for a tax refund? How's about believing for a tax rebate? Why could that not be your reality? I don't want to say that to you this morning. I want to say that I believe that I'm saying that prophetically to someone this morning who was facing a tax bill. The Lord is going to be there and is going to help you meet that legitimate requirement. It's a legitimate requirement. But you know what? There's a bigger demand. There was an even bigger demand on our lives and on our shoulders, in our lives, brothers and sisters, just in our very existence. And that is the demand for justice that was on our shoulders. It was on our shoulders. The demand for justice as sinners, as people who have fallen short of God's glory, as people who go wrong, who can be at times you know, failing in our strength and in our courage, who can fail in so many different ways and fall in so many ways. There is a demand, as the scripture teaches us, for justice to be met. That was a legitimate demand of God upon our lives. The pure and holy one has a legitimate demand of justice that we should pay for the things that we did. Instead, instead, Jesus picked up the bill for our wrongdoings. He picked up 
as the scripture says, for our transgressions, for our sins. He was, he was pierced for our transgressions. And here's what Paul writes in Romans chapter 8. In the great chapter 8, he says, he sent his own son in the body like we sinners have. And in that body, God declared an end to sin's control over us by giving his son as a sacrifice for our sins. A big tax, a big burden, a big legitimate debt of justice was on our shoulders. But Jesus paid it all. Hallelujah. Jesus has paid it all. The entire price has been paid. And then Paul poses a fantastic question in Romans chapter 8 and verse 32. And this is very important. He says this. He says, since he did not spare even his own son, but gave him up for us all, won't he also give us everything else? If he's already given us the thing that was of most value, if he's done for us the most important thing, won't he meet your need? Won't he meet that demand wherever you are and wherever you're at? Won't he help to meet the emotional demands that are on you, the spiritual demands that are on you, the physical demands that are on you, the mental demands that are on you as a parent, as a child, as a father, as an employer, as a sister, as a brother, as a friend? Won't he also help meet that need if he's already paid this price for us? Have confidence, brothers and sisters. God is at work in you. He's at work in your lives. He knows the comings and goings. He knows exactly what you faced. So much of it, Jesus has faced himself. I love when Paul talks about needs. He's talking about physical needs in the end of the book of Philippians, the letter to the Philippians. And he's saying, look, I've learned to be content Whatever it is, whether I've got plenty or I've got nothing, whether I'm well fed or whether I go hungry. But with all of these things that surround us, Paul said to them, he said, This same God who takes care of me will also supply all of your needs from his glorious riches which have been given to us in Christ Jesus. In Christ Jesus. As a result of what Jesus has done, all of these riches are ours. Whatever form that needs to be in your life, God is sufficient. I was talking to someone the other day about El Shaddai, the Old Testament name for God, meaning he is sufficient within himself. He is all sufficient. He has everything that we could ever possibly need. He is everything we could ever possibly need. But a reminder from Isaiah. In Isaiah, as you go through the chapter, the 20s chapters, I don't have the scripture verse up here. The Lord says to the children of Israel time and time again, he says, look, you're in trouble and you're in difficulty and you're in chaos and you're facing calamity and you're facing hunger and you're facing political trouble and you're facing taxation demands. And he said, but you never asked the help of me. You never asked for help. To ask for help is the most basic of all prayers to ask God to help us to do what we need to do to fulfill what we need to fulfill to ask for help is the highest prayer that we can pray it admits our human frailty it admits our needs and says Lord I can't do this I need your help in all of this I love when Peter writes at the end of his letter he writes and he warns and he reminds the Christians that look, whatever you're facing, and those Christians faced a lot tougher than we face. 
whatever demands you face on you today at this time and maybe you face no demands but mark my words you will because that's what happens in life to live means to face demands to be taxed of our time and energy and our strength to live means to live in a way that demands something of us here's what peter wrote he said give all your worries and your cares to god for he cares about you give all your worries and cares to god for he cares about you now most of us know that as christians from the time where we're, we're, we're just born again we know this scripture but he does say all see that word there all greek panton give all your worries and your cares to god why would we give all of them because we think that there's only certain parts of our lives that god cares about he cares about it all he knows the detail of it all there's no care that you have there's no concern that you have there's no burden that you have that he doesn't already know but jesus in fact said your father in heaven knows your needs even before you ask him but he loves to hear us ask for help and he loves to hear us express our cares and our needs to him you know as i was preparing this message the first one first thing that struck me as i was prepared just let the spirit lead me to say about um, about taxes that maybe there are people this morning who are tuned in here or who are struggling with a tax issue whether that's a physical a government or revenue tax or maybe there are other areas of taxation in your life i think you should begin to believe that god will meet that need that god will be there and he will show up and it will happen and that door will open you need to trust god and turn to him for help and then open your eyes and see him on the move the other one was this you, you might be familiar with the old phrase there's plenty of fish in the sea and that is really true that is really true the phrase of course refers to people who are looking for a relationship who are looking for a partner for life and maybe you're a christian who really would like to meet someone with whom you can build a life together somebody whom you can build a family and a relationship together and it just doesn't seem to be happening for you pray and ask for help because there are plenty of fish in the sea and god has just the right person has just the right person for you you need to pray and trust god and experience his blessing in your life i know i've experienced it you can experience it too so brothers and sisters before i pray let me just tell you this god knows every detail of your life he knows all of the demands he knows all the needs that you face all the cares all the burdens all the things that tax your mind and your soul, the things that keep you awake at night, the things that wake you up early in the morning, the things that your mind drifts off to when you have a moment, when you have a moment in the day when you can think, the things that just you drift away to. God knows what's going on in your life. And let me tell you this, brothers and sisters, we need have no fear because God has a fish for your life. Amen. He has a coin for your life. Amen. And your needs will be met as you trust and walk I'm just going to pray as I close Hallelujah. this morning. Let's just pray very, very briefly. Lord Jesus Christ, I thank you. There's nothing that happens in any life of any person who's tuned in here now, listening on podcast afterwards, looking on YouTube. Lord, anybody who tunes in, Lord, there's no detail of their lives that you don't know. There's no concern, no need, no demand upon them that you don't know. Lord, I pray that like Peter, we would have 
the faith to go catch that fish. I pray, Lord, we would have the faith to trust in you, to put our cares, concerns, worries into your hands, Lord. As we come out of a period of lockdown, Lord, and there's new uncertainties and maybe new anxieties opening up for us, Lord. We cast all of those cares. Maybe there's a new a new fear, a new concern that's now emerging as we come out of lockdown and life is going back to normal. Maybe there's a whole new phalanx of worries that have come to us, Lord. We give our worries and cares to you, Lord Jesus Christ. We give them to you, Lord, and I thank you that you have a unique solution for our unique problems in a unique way. Lord, I pray that you would bless your people this week and give them a reminder that their heavenly and heavenly Father watches over them, watches over them like he watches over the birds, the fish of the sea, the hairs in our head, and the lilies of the field. Lord, give us that reminder we commit our way we commit our concerns, we commit our fears, and above all else, we commit ourselves and our demands into your hands and simply pray, help us in Jesus' name. And God's people say, Amen. God bless you, brothers and sisters. We're going to give you back over to Tom, who's going to give the quote, the, the, the quiz in the close. Amen. Thank you, Michael. God bless you. Appreciate the word. Good to hear us. And good to be reminded of God's great provision. So let's uh, just go back and have a look and remind ourselves of what our great grace quiz was today. We asked you today, what was the name of the famous Cork Bridge that recently reopened? Was it A, the Shady Bridge, B, the Shaky Bridge, or C, the Shadow Bridge? And of course, the correct answer was, Michael... The Shaky Bridge. It's the Shaky Bridge. Beautiful, beautiful bridge that was opened apparently about a hundred years ago and they refurbished it. But when you went over it, it was known as the Shaky Bridge because it's a pedestrian bridge, bridge and it would shake. Anyway, I have been told, I didn't pick them, I have been told that the winner today is Noel Redmond. That's Noel Redmond's down in Carrigaline in one of the southern suburbs of our lovely city. Originally from Dublin, but we've never heard held that against Noel. Congratulations, Noel. There's a 20 euro all for one voucher going to be sent to you on your phone this week. I want to say a big hello to your beautiful wife, Wendy, and to the kids, Poppy and Theo and Noah. So God bless you all, and thank you to everyone who participated. You might say, why didn't I win? It's not the winning, it's the participation, it really is. It's just about our community being alive and really kept strong while we couldn't physically meet together. Not long more. Mm -hmm. I hope you'll all join us for our final, and we hope forever, our final online-only broadcast because our doors will be open and we will be welcoming you and we will be celebrating having you join in with us again in two weeks' time. Uh, you will have to pre-book on Eventbrite. It's free, it's simple to do, but we'll be giving you all the details on social media. Check out our social media feeds during the week. 
Twitter, Facebook, Instagram. Also, of course, catch up on Facebook and Instagram, YouTube, podcast. We're on them all. Do keep tuned in. And we really look forward to seeing you face-to-face very soon, but by seeing you digitally next week. We're going to conclude now, and I hope you don't just switch off because we play worship from churches like ours around the world. And today's piece is from Elevation Worship, which comes from Elevation Church in America. We play music from Belfast, from America, from Australia, UK, even Ireland, uh, and so on. And so, uh, as we close with this, which is all about the Lord repeating the good work that he's done in our lives, I pray it will bless you, it will help you, and it will touch you. So maybe you'll worship along. It's digital, but God hears your voice wherever you are. Worship God with your voice, from your heart, with your body. Let's just worship him. So may the Lord bless and keep you, you and yours, for the week ahead. And we praise God that the sound of the turtle dove is once again heard in our land because the spring is here. God bless you all.